Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to another episode of The Short Stacks. This week, we're doing something a little bit different. It's New Year's Eve, after all, so we wanted to make it special. I brought back past guest and friend of the pod, Lauren Fanella aka Literary Lauren, and she and I are going to be talking about our top five reads of 2018 and the books we're most excited about reading in 2019. Oh, I didn't even do this. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas. Before I dive into anything else, I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening to this show. The Stacks started in 2018 kind of on a whim. I just wanted to talk about books that other people weren't talking about, and I reached out to some friends and said, if I make a podcast, will you come on? And now here we are, you know, 35,000 downloads later. And I'm just so grateful for all of you for listening to the show, for reaching out, for commenting, for following, for liking, for whatever you've done. Thank you so, so much. The show has been so special to me. And when I started it in April, I couldn't have imagined that it would have grown as much as it has. So thank you again for telling your friends and thank you for allowing me to have listeners who aren't my mom, my brother, and my husband. Okay. Now let's talk about Patreon. Patreon is a website where you contribute to the work we're doing on the show. Patreon allows for us to launch new content like the short stacks. And I'm so grateful for those of you who have contributed and who continue to contribute to this show. The fun thing about Patreon is that you also get perks for yourself. So you can participate in our virtual book club, submit questions for our guests and get shout outs on the show. If you're interested in being part of the Stacks Pack community, go to patreon.com slash the stacks. If you prefer one-time contributions, you can also check out paypal.me slash the stacks pod. Okay, I'm going to ask you for a favor. Will you make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and that you've rated and reviewed the show? The word is starting to build about the podcast and the more ratings and reviews we get, the more people we can reach, which means in turn, I can book more diverse and awesome guests for you to listen to. If you would take a few moments wherever you're listening, especially iTunes, and write a short review. Okay, now it's time for the short stacks. Our guest today is friend of the pod and past guest from episodes 15 and 16, Lauren Fanella. Lauren joins me as we each name our top five books of 2018 and look ahead for the five books we're most excited about for 2019. Okay, here goes. (laughs) 
Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Short Stacks. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. We've actually brought back one of our most beloved guests, Lauren Fanella. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Tracy. Hi. Hi. Um, she's at Literary Lauren, if you don't remember her. We talked about reincarnation blues back over the summer but I brought Lauren back because not only is she my book friend but she's also probably one of the most well-read people that I know in real life so today New Year's Eve we've decided instead of doing I don't know anything new we're gonna round up what we read this year and look forward to what we're excited about in 2015 2015 nope that passed 2019 so we're gonna start with each of us put together a list of the five books the five best books that we read this year. And then we also put together a list of five books that we're looking forward to. We have no plan and no agenda. We're just going to see how this goes. So without any further ado, um, Lauren, what's your first most favorite book or best book that you read this year? Okay. So the first one I'm going to pick is actually probably my favorite from 2018. So it's The Pisces by Melissa Broder. Mm. I discovered her this year and she basically changed my life. Uh, <laughs> she's become one of my favorite writers. She writes a lot about mental health and this book was very strange. It's about a woman um, who comes out to Venice, California and she joins a love and sex addicts group and she's going through a lot of stuff. So she's taking or she's taking care of her sister's dog in her house while she's doing that. And she meets a merman and they have a love affair and it's great. It's very shape of water sounding. <laughs> yes, but a way more twisted and eccentric, I think. <laughs> okay. I know a little bit about this book. I've not read it, but I've heard like, it's pretty polarizing. Oh, yes. Like I think people it's, love it or hate it. Yes. You're either going to love it or hate it. I cannot see someone going into this book being like, meh, it was fine. It's She makes points that you're either going to fully, you know, be there for or just completely Maybe disagree. Okay. Yeah. So here's the thing, Lauren. I know this book was really polarizing, but you're not alone. I reached out to our Bookstagram community or our followers on books on Instagram and asked them to share with us their favorite books. And Kara Reads also picked The Pisces as her favorite book. Have you guys talked about it? Yes, we have. Kara and I read very similarly, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> we loved that book. So I'm I just am really fascinated by like this weird, it's like fantasy, romance, twisty. And it's a total departure from her nonfiction, right? Because she wrote like a collection. Right. She's written essay collection. She's also started out as a poet, actually. I haven't read her poetry yet, but I did read her essay collection after I finished this book um, called So Sad Today. Loved that as well. So. And her Twitter is So Sad Today or something, yes, right? Yes, That's her okay. Twitter account as well, which is a great follow. I love that. Okay. So that's your first Melissa Broder. Here's my first book. We did it on the show. I loved it so much. I've been thinking about it all year. It's Bad Blood by John Carreyrou. Um, it's the story of Elizabeth, Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos and the crazy fraud scam that like the queen scammer Elizabeth Holmes ran on America. The book is crazy. It's so good. It's written investigative journalism, but the story 
the fact that she got away with all this is just so insane. And I've just been thinking about it and I can't wait for news alerts to come to my phone anytime anything happens with her. I'm like, is she in jail yet? (laughs) When is the trial? So that's my first pick for the year. And if you've read the book and you loved it and you haven't yet, go back and listen to my conversation with Nancy Rommelman. We talk about the book for the Stacks Book Club and so good. Yeah, I'm actually gifting that to one of my coworkers for Christmas. I know this is going to come out after Christmas, so I'm <laughs> gifting it to him because he loves nonfiction. And so I was like, Tracy loved it, so it's I'm going to give it dad to dad book. Yeah. I've told many people, like, please tell your dad. Yeah. He'll love it. And or your uncle. You know or... it's being made into a movie. With right? Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, as playing her. Elizabeth Holmes. I know. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see who plays all the, like, real-life figures because there's mm-hmm. real famous people um, like George Schultz and um, like secretaries of state and Larry Ellison from Oracle. So I'm like, how are they going to get all these people and who's going to play everybody? So I'm super excited to see that. Because all those people are still alive, I'm assuming. I mean, Mostly. they were as of the writing of this book. Yeah, so. We'll see if they die before the movie comes <laughs> out. I mean, I don't, that's on. <laughs> I don't want anybody to die, but some of them are old. Yeah. Like it's like older Secretary- former secretaries yeah. of state and things mm-hmm. like that, like defense secretaries. So who knows? Um, okay. What's your next one? Okay. So my next book was actually a Stax book club pick <laughs> earlier this year. Okay. Um, it was The Mars Room by Rachel Kushner, and mm. I loved this book, and I was really happy that you were going to read it on the podcast. So um, I know you already talked about it, but it's a really dark, gritty book. Um, set in California being from California I love books set in the state and it was just so smart and she just had a lot to say Um, and she I heard her talk at our local bookstore and she had worked on this book for five years and the research that went into it was just insane and so it really inspired me to pick up this book after hearing her speak and I just I love a book where all the characters are quote-unquote unlikable but it's just was really engrossing I finished it in a day and a half I just couldn't stop reading it it was great yeah the writing's so good yeah the story is dark and twisty that's gonna be the theme I think of today's episode dark and twisty books that we liked in 2018 because we only like dark and twisty books basically so yeah if you're hoping that Emily Giffen is on this list I'm super sorry I'm sure she's lovely we didn't read it yeah did you read it no. 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 I don't even know what it's called, but I know that she had a book as blue. It looked nice. If you read it and you liked it, awesome. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know about that book. Um, we're like Meredith and Christina from Grey's Anatomy. Yes, dark we're and dark twisty. and twisty for sure. Dark I'm obviously Christina. Nice try. <laughs> I'm Christina and I don't want to have to fight you over it. I'm Christina. Um, okay. So my next pick is, this is going to be crazy people, but I picked a fiction book that came out in 2018 that I really liked. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called There, There. It's by Tommy Orange. It is really badass. Um, The book follows a group of Native Americans. They're not actually a group necessarily. It follows a different, disparate Native Americans in and around the Bay Area. And they all come together at a powwow in Oakland. But what's cool about the book is it's told from a ton of different perspectives. It's told in the first person. It's told in the second person. Like, it's really a feat of writing and staying true to my roots. It's dark and twisty. 
it feels like it could be a true story. It's not, but if you told me that it was, I'd be like, sure, that makes sense. It's written in that same style of like, I believe this is all possible. So that's really cool. There's an awesome prologue and an interlude in the middle of the book, both that are nonfiction, almost essay styles. And there are searing indictments of America and our relationship to Native Americans. So the book is taking on racism and stereotypes and, you know, all the things that I just love. So it was very high on my list and it was a debut. So no pressure, Tommy Orange, but you have so much pressure. Like, how do you even write another book? I know. And isn't his next book kind of associated with it? I don't know. I think it is. I'm not sure. But that prologue, I read that prologue and was blown away. I I was like, this is going to be good. Like I knew just from that it was going to be amazing. And it was, it was was so good. And it's so, the prologue is so different from the rest of the book. Yeah. But he definitely wants you to know from the start. He's like, this is where I'm coming from. Right. The tone of the book. Totally. Yeah. Such a good book. Okay. You're up next. Okay. So my next book is a nonfiction. Shocker. Um, It is All You Can Ever Know by Nicole Chung. Um, It's a memoir, which is my favorite genre of nonfiction. So not too surprising for me. But she is a Korean American. Um, She was adopted by white Caucasian um, couple. You can say white on this show. Yeah, white. (laughs) Unless they're from like the Caucasus Mountains, you can just say white. It's fine. She's adopted by white people that live in um, rural Oregon. And so she um, just talks about her childhood growing up in that where she was, you know, the only Asian and she didn't really know where she came from exactly. Mm. And um, just how it's about being adopted, but also being adopted by someone from a different cultural background and how they didn't really expose her to her you know, cultural background of being Korean. And she does eventually meet her sister. Um, She had sisters. And what was interesting is that the parents had told them that she died, that she was dead. And so her birth parents told the siblings. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it was a shock to them when she was finally able to um, connect with them. And she actually has a really good relationship with her her sister now and uh she it was just about her decision to you know find her birth parents and then how she went about it and then when she wanted to decide to contact them so it was just a really powerful story I think everyone should read it it really you know there's not a lot out there I think um about adoption like Mm -hmm. in that kind of story um and I think it was really well done and her writing's beautiful so that doesn't hurt (laughs) I I really want to read this book I've heard so many good things taking care of your health isn't always easy but it should be at least simple that's why for the last three plus years I have been drinking AG1 every day no exceptions it's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? 
With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One of the things that happened this year that I thought was really cool, and I don't know if it was different, but it was something that I noticed that I'd never noticed before, is this summer, fall, a ton of books came out by debut Asian or Asian American women authors. Mm -hmm. You have Asia Gable's book, The Ensemble. You have Aro Kwan, The Incendiaries. You have Crystal Hana Kim, If You Leave Me. You have... um, there was a river of stars by the Vanessa stars. Hua. And then also um, Lillian Lee's The First oh, Chinese, number one Chinese, number one Chinese Restaurant. Chat. And then also, um, I can picture it. it has that city. It's like Singapore. Um, Monsoon Mansion? That also came out this year, but um, that's not what I was thinking of. There's also America's Not the Heart. Yeah. Um, that was another one. I'm currently Shoot, in the middle of it. What's the one I'm thinking of? Hold on. We're going to look it up. I'm going to tell you in a second because it's going to make me absolutely crazy. What We Were Promised by Lucy Tan. Oh, yes. Yes. I have that one sitting on my Dude. shelf. I've heard great things. But what I really liked about this year is that there was this group of women who published their books and not on purpose at the same time, but it did feel like there was an opportunity for recognition. And I feel like the this book, All You Can Ever Know, was the nonfiction companion piece to all this beautiful fiction that was written. Definitely. And I know that those authors connect, some of them connected with one another mm-hmm. and that they were encouraging and embracing each other and lifting each other up. And I just thought like, that's kind of a special thing that I felt like happened in literature this year. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I realized there was a lot and those, I read a lot of those and loved them. So yeah. it's really exciting. So publishers keep publishing people because they're good writers, not because they're easy to find. Because there's good books out there and Asian women and Latina women and black women and trans women and whoever. We need their books. We want their stories. We do. We do. So 
we're telling you more. Next year, we want to have the summer of, I don't know, the LGBTQ woman's adventures. I don't know, whatever it is. <laughs> like, give me something new, you know? But like, didn't yeah. it feel really cool this year? It did. I Because I was looking at going through my list of what I read this year preparing for this podcast and I realized there were a lot of Asian American women that I read right not you know setting out necessarily to do it but right. that's just what was coming out and sounded the best to me right and I really enjoyed pretty much all the ones that I've read right and yeah. I've not really really I've not really read much Asian literature at all and I think some of that is because it it's not been front and center. And I think some of it's because I've been lazy, but this summer I got to do that and this mm -hmm. fall and I'm really happy about it. Yeah. And the books were a variety of things that either did or did not have to do with being Asian, which I also love to see. Nothing makes mm -hmm. me happier than when a black author can just write about whatever and it doesn't have to be quote unquote black or when, right. a, when a queer author can write about a story and it doesn't have to revolve around queerness. And so I think that was also really great that these women wrote books, some of which were entrenched in their Asian cultures. And some of it was like Asia's books. Like I'm writing a book about musicians. Yeah. Like don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that was my tangent. Is it my turn now? Yes, it is. Okay. The next book I'm picking is, I'm putting this in the best book category, but I don't know if it was my favorite book. And I'm going to make the distinction because I think this book is very important. I think that this book sets a precedent for other books hopefully in the future and the book I'm talking about is Barracoon by Zora Neale Hurston and if you don't know about this book it was written in the 1930s and then it was put away on a shelf because it's written in a um in a slave's dialect so it's got like apostrophes and you know phonetic spelling and the publishers at the time thought nobody wants to hear these stories and basically locked the book away and Alice Walker was part of a group of people who wanted to bring the book back to light. And so the book was published this year with a forward by Alice Walker and a great introduction and an afterword. And it's this, the last black cargo is what they call him. He's the, one of the last people to be brought over from Africa to America and then also became a freed man. And it's his story in his own words as told to Zora Neale Hurston. I really enjoyed this book. It's not a favorite. Like, I didn't read it and think, oh, my God, I can't put it down. But I did read it and think, holy shit, this book is so important. And I can't believe that it's here now, finally, and we deserve more of this. And this will be a book that we're talking about in years and years, not just the book itself, but how we got to it. So I highly recommend it. It's super short and tiny, and you can read it very quickly, and you can come back to it. And it's unlike anything I've ever read. So that is my number three. Not that these are in order, but that's just my third <laughs> one. Okay. So my next pick is another book club pick for me, guys. Oh I know. Our book club was like up your alley. This yeah, year. it really was. Okay. <laughs> so, but I liked this one a lot more, I think, than you did, but that's okay. okay. Motherhood by Sheila Hetty. Mm. Yeah. This was very much a Lauren type book. It's really meditative and self reflective about. Um, the decision whether or not to have children. Um, I liked that it was autobiographical fiction because she can kind of take some liberties and it doesn't have to be this is necessarily my truth. It could be a version of my truth and maybe some other women I interact with truth as well. And um, it's just something that I think about a lot is 
motherhood and the decision whether or not I want to have kids. So it's really caused me to reflect a lot. And the writing was just super beautiful. And I'm just a really big fan of her writing. Um, there's actually this really great episode of the New Yorker podcast where Otesha Moshfeg reads um, one of her short stories. And she wrote My Year of Re- My Rest and Relaxation. Yes. Okay. And it's called My Life is a Joke. And it's so great. <laughs> That's her reading. <laughs> Sheila Hetty's. Okay. Yeah. Short I, short story, I believe. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. It's really cool. It's And so I listen, after I listened to that, I immediately picked this up. And I just loved it so much. It's so funny. I liked it fine. Like it didn't really speak to me. I did like reflecting on the choice whether or not to have children. Right. And I liked a lot of the topics that were brought up because the Mm -hmm. book like kind of talks about abortion and the Holocaust and like what it means to become a parent and what that responsibility is and culturally what that means. I just didn't really like get it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I just like that we're at a place now it feels more and more that we have women have the choice to like reflect on the decision yes. it isn't it assumed you're having children because you're a woman so I like that there's a space for this to exist yeah. now I like I, I liked thinking about the book yeah whether or not it was something that I like loved reading is different but I did like thinking about the book and I'm glad that the book exists mm-hmm. and I think that the cover is gorgeous yes it is I think it's <laughs> such a beautiful book it's so simple yes okay next up this book I loved. Oh my God, I'm so excited to talk about this book. Okay. Lacey M. Johnson's newest release is called The Reckonings. And this book came into my life in a weird way. Her friend, who is also her publicist, listened to an episode of The Stacks and was like, I think you'd like this book. May I send it to you? And I was like, sure. We'll see. And I got it. And I kind of was like dragging my feet on it. And then I was like, okay, I should read this book because I said that I wanted to. And I posted a picture about it. And Lacey reached out to me and was like, oh, I'd love to hear what you think. And I was like, okay, do I need to read your first book or your, your previous book? And she was like, I don't know. I'll just send you a copy. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. So she sent me her first book, The Other Side. I read it in like 30 seconds. It was amazing. And then I was like, okay, I need to read The Reckonings. And this book is phenomenal. It is her the way that it's positioned is incorrect and I'm going to reposition it because I think that it's hurting the book because it's positioned as a response or her quest for justice for her first book where she was raped and kidnapped by an ex-boyfriend and it's positioned that it's all a response to that or like what she would want to happen to the person who did this to her and that's not really the book that's just the first essay the rest of the essays all deal with the idea of justice but We're talking about environmental justice and racism. We're talking about whiteness. We're talking about the way that women are treated. And it's all very topical and relatively recent. Um, There's a great essay on the flood or the Hurricane Harvey in Houston, which is where Lacey lived. There's a great one about the BP oil spill. There's one on children who are dying of cancer in that is juxtaposed against the death penalty. There's one on mass shootings. Like she's taking these really difficult, challenging things that humans deal with currently, very relevant, and she's reflecting on what does it mean to have justice for these things or what is the correct answer here? And 
not to spoil, but like I think we all know there's no real correct answer. So these are her reflections. But what Lacey's able to do is she's able to bring in other thinkers and authors and writers. And she's a creative nonfiction writer. So the book is just the words are so beautiful. And I just I love this book so, so much. I think that if you like deep, dark ideas about life and politics and the world, not so much politics, but like who we are and who we want to be and what we want our country and our world to look like, this is a great book for you. Did I sell you on it? Well, you've already sold me on this because you texted me when you were reading it. And I was, well, I had read The Other Side after you told me about it and I loved it. And I have a copy of this sitting at home. And hopefully by the time this this is posted, I will have read it. And I'm sure I'll be obsessed. (laughs) And that might be on my top five. One of the things that has been in my mind since I read this book, like yesterday, I finished it yesterday. I also (laughs) read all the notes and then I went back and reread the first two essays after I finished the book because I liked it that much. Mm -hmm. But One of the things that's been on my mind and it's making me kind of depressed and kind of excited is that I'd never heard of Lacey Johnson until, I don't know, I picked up her first, until her first book was sent to me. I now can't stop thinking about how great she is and what an amazing writer she is. And it makes me excited because I'm like, there must be so many more people in the world that I've never read and never heard of that I one day will read. But it also makes me sad because I wish that she was a household name and that people were calling her a genius and that she and other writers that exist got the same recognition that you know, someone who is also a genius, like a Ta-Nehisi Coates. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad that people read him, but I'm like, there, there's more. She's doing a similar thing. Her angle is less race and more, you know, women. And obviously it's from her perspective. Right. But I'm like, there's, there's so many authors that I'm just like, how can I get? How can I find you? How can I find these great people? Because mm-hmm. every time I read a book that's not great, I'm like, oh, what a waste because there's probably someone else who does this better. Exactly. So I don't know. That's just my, my sad and amazing feelings about the reckoning and Lacey M. Johnson. Okay. You're right. These are our last two. Yeah. This is my last book. So it is the air you breathe and I'm probably going to butcher this author's name. So I apologize. It's, by Francis de Pontes Pibles. I don't know how to say it. Sounds She's Brazilian. Beautiful. That sounded <laughs> so right. She um it's actually a historical fiction, I guess you would call it, but it was more on the literary side. Um, and I think that's why I liked it so much because the writing was beautiful. It's set in 1930s, 40s Brazil, and it's about two young girls. Um, one is the daughter of a sugar cane plantation owner, and the other one is a servant in this household. And they escape together, and they want to be singers, and so they kind of rough it for a bit. In um, I think it's in Rio they do it, and they just—it's about female friendship and jealousy, and just identity, and um just kind of finding themselves and then they end up in Hollywood in the forties and just kind of how Hollywood took advantage of them. And they kind of stereotyped them as, Oh, these are the, the Latin characters and they would kind of make them look horrible um, in these films. And so it was just completely swept me away to a different time and place, which every once in a while I do really like that. And it just, had these two female characters that you wouldn't think existed in this time and place. And 
they did, I'm sure. We just don't know their stories. So that's what I liked so much about it is that it was different people. You wouldn't, they weren't the quote unquote typical woman Mm. back then. Um, And that was really cool. I love when books do that. Remind I do you, like, oh, feminism isn't just something that started in 2000, right? Like, it didn't start with the wa- the women's march in 2017. Yeah, like, this has been it's going on in different for some time. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That sounds so good. I've heard really great things about that book, mm-hmm. also. Okay, here's my last one. It's Heavy by Kiese Lehman. It is his memoir about his life and his body and his blackness in growing up in Mississippi. And one of the things that I really appreciate about this book is his ability to get very, very vulnerable. He is talking about his physical body, his weight, his obsession with his weight, his addiction, his gambling. Like the book is just, it feels like there's no holds barred. Barred? I don't know that saying, but I know it sounds close to that. He feel It feels like he's not holding back. I have heard him talk about it, and I have heard him say that he did take things out that his mother or he or his mother mm-hmm. didn't want in the book, which is fine. It still feels so raw and personal, but also in a bigger side, bigger picture, he's also talking about what it means to be black in America. He's talking – because his mom is such a huge part of the book, it's written to his mother. It talks a lot about um, – feminism and misogyny and specifically like anti-blackness and anti-black womanness and you know being twice as good and it's all these things I call it I say I think this book is very Coatesian but as opposed to being big picture removed it's very intimate it's a great memoir it's great you read it yes I read it last weekend and (laughs) I had never seen representation of a male struggling with eating disorder so Mm. that was something that was just heartbreaking and yeah how he keeps at the beginning I liked how he you know addressed that it's for his mom and he's like this isn't the book I wanted to write but I needed to write this and that was just so powerful and then at the end how he kind of circled back to that idea was just yeah yeah this is one of those books that I wish more people were reading so pick it up Okay, I want to share some of the books that listeners of the show also called out. Um, let me know if you've read any and if you love any. Okay, so, I will. Wendy Lou 22 said Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. I need to read that. I read it. It's probably my sixth favorite book of the year. Like, I love this book. It's mm-hmm. so good. It's intersectional women feminism. Okay, I'm not, I don't know how to say any of these things because they're Instagram handles or like letters and stuff, but C. Shell DVM said Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. Have I, you ever read Brene Brown? No, I have not. Have I you? Not either. Because she's I've nonfiction. Heard, so I, but she's like self helpy, but like in a good way. Mm, that's what I've okay. heard. I've heard she's like very uplifting. Oprah like loves her. Right. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, Lit with Lauren said, I absolutely love The Awkward Age by Francesca Siegel. Have you heard of that? I've never even heard of that. I've never even heard of that. Lit with Lauren. You're holding back on us. Okay, Lind Y LLC, or maybe Lindy LLC, that could be helpful, said The Golden State by Lydia Kessling. Oh, that's on my list. I haven't read it yet, though. I've seen that cover. It's cool. Yeah. California books. So okay. My girl Ardina Reed said There There by Tommy Orange. Yes. yes. Um, oh, An American Marriage. But um, it's yes. Sarah Cooper says An American Marriage. Aunt Bree. I'm, these are hard, you guys. Aunt Bree Square Reads or S Q. 
Oh, I get it. Hold on. This is so embarrassing. It's Aunt Bree Esquire reads, but it's ESQ because she's a lawyer. Oh, I think. Um, Becoming by Michelle Obama. Okay. Need what else? Sachi reads says, if you leave me and all you can ever know. Okay. I need to read if you can. We did it on the show. I know. It's so good. Me, I need to read it. Okay. So that's, those are just a few. There's more like Tangerine is on here. Alexander Chi's How to Write an Autobiographical Novel. Sea Prayer by Khalid Hosseini. So much good stuff came out. A place where I'm just like looking through this list. You guys read a lot of stuff this year. (laughs) Okay. We're going to do just a quick rundown of the five books we're most looking forward to. But before we do, we're going to give some shout outs to the obvious options. We're going to give a shout out to Kamala Harris's new book, The Truth, The The Truths We Hold. We're going to give a shout out to Oprah's new book, The Path Made Clear. Toni Morrison has a new book, The Source of Self-Regard. And then Marlon James also has a new book called Black Leopard, Red Wolf. And we're not putting these on our official list because we feel like you guys already know about these people in these books. Marlon James, maybe not, but we both wanted to put it down and we couldn't agree who could have it. So those are like our big books that we're excited about, but we're going to tell you about books that maybe you're not as aware of. That's our plan. Okay. You can start. Okay. So my first one is actually out in the UK already, but it doesn't come out here till April 16th. It's Normal People by Sally Rooney. So I read her debut novel earlier this year, Conversations with Friends, and I absolutely loved it. Um, This book was actually longlisted for The Man Booker. Um, It's about it's set in Ireland and it's about a man and a woman who are from the same small town, but they're very different. And it's being, I think, marketed as a love story, but from what I've heard, it's not really a love story. I think it's, it's more political and I'm think it might have to do with Brexit, but don't quote me on that. So I'm really excited about doing this list because we both don't know what we're talking about. We like kind of have glimpses, but we don't really know for sure, which is fun. Okay. My first one is, um, A Bound Woman is a Dangerous Thing by Damaris B. Hill. And this book is about female black woman incarceration in America. It says from Harriet Tubman to Sandra Bland. That's basically all I know. But it sounds like everything I've ever wanted to read. Okay, you go. Okay, so the next one I have is The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh. It comes out in January. And this one was actually also long listed for the man booker. I'm just nerding out. It's over. (laughs) It's out in the UK, not here, but it comes out in January. This is cheating. I know they get it before us. I don't really know why. Um, so it's been described as the handmaid's tale meets the virgin suicides. So it's about, um, I think an Island where women are, um, made to fear men. So sounds like, you know, some like feminist dystopian. So I'm here for that. that. Love that. Okay. My next one is my next one is called Lot by Brian Washington. And this is what I know about the book. It's short stories. It's being published by Riverhead. And Asia Gable, when she was on the podcast, said that she read one of Brian Washington's short stories and cried. It was like in the New Yorker and cried so hard that she called Riverhead, who had published her book, and said, I need a copy of this. And she hasn't read it yet. But that's all I know. And it just sounds so good. And so <laughs> I was like, so I'm interested. Yeah. And it's short stories and it's non and it is fiction. So that's my one wild card. Okay. So Another book I'm going to pick is The Island of Sea Women by Lisa C. She had a book that came out last year, I believe. Um, 
this one's coming out from Scribner, and all I know is it said for fans of Pachinko, which mm. I loved Pachinko, so I immediately was like, can I please have one? <laughs> so, and it's about a female friendship they set in a small island in Korea, so female friendship, yeah, here for it. You're here for it. <laughs> okay, my next one comes out in February. This should be no surprise to anyone who knows me and knows one of my favorite books. But Dave Cullen, the author of Park, or the author of Columbine, is releasing a book in February called Parkland about the Parkland shooting. And from my understanding, it's less about the shooting itself. The Columbine book is mostly about the shooting and what had ha- what happened. And Parkland is more focused on the children who survived the shooting and the activism that they've done. Um, it's going to be released one year from the date of the shooting. So I don't think he's had enough time to fully research the way that he did for Columbine exactly what happened. So I think this book is more focused on the kids. But Dave Cullen is an amazing, amazing author. And honestly, I'll read anything he writes. So I'm excited. Oh, that's going to be really good. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. I think it's February 14th because I believe the shooting was on Valentine's Day, which is fucked up. Yeah. So my next pick is The Lost Children Archive by Valeria Lucelli. Um, Mm. Yeah, you've told me about Tell Me How It Ends, which I haven't read yet, but I really need to. And this is um, a novel um, that it's about a family that road trips across America and there's an immigration crisis at the southwestern border. And it says the writing's beautiful. It just sounds like something that I'm really going to like. So I'm really excited and to I'm read sure it. And I'm sure it's going to feel very timely yes. with everything that's going on. Okay. My next one is called Black is the Body. It's by Emily Bernard. And it's about her body, her mother's body, and her grandmother's body and their blackness. And it's a memoir. And that's literally all I know. But that's all I really feel like I need to know. Like I will read yeah. a book based on those th- that mm-hmm. sentence. So yeah. <laughs> okay, my last one is Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. Mm. I loved Underground Railroad. It's dark and depressing, but I loved it. It's he's just so smart. His writing is unbelievable. So, good. so this is about um two boys that live in Jim Crow era Florida in the 1960s and they go to an academy or it's a segregated reform school called Nickel Academy. Okay. So I'm sure it's going to be amazing. He's such a great writer. It doesn't come out till July, though, but okay. I'm excited. <laughs> my last one comes out late, too. Okay, my last one is by Ibram X. Kendi, who wrote Stamped from the Beginning, one of my favorite books I read this year, but it was published last year, so I couldn't include it on my list. Um, and this book is called How to Be an Anti-Racist, and it's his memoir. And all of his writing and his professorshipness, I don't know, his <laughs> academic studies are in racism and anti-racism, and he is one of those thinkers that I think we'll be talking about for years and years to come. And this is his memoir about how to be an anti-racist. And it comes out in August and I cannot wait. Yeah. That one sounds good. I'm so excited. So if many you good haven't books. read Stamp from the beginning and you care about race at all, or you don't okay. care about race and you feel like you don't know anything about it, you should pick up that book. It's major, but you'll feel like you understand America so much better. Mm-hmm. I just uh, love that book. Okay, do you want to throw in any last additional anything before we get Did out Did we here? mention the new ta coats? Okay, but Did, this is unconfirmed. Yeah, it's unconfirmed. Lauren it, there's like rumor telling me that there's a rumored <laughs> ta novel coming out in 2019, but I couldn't find it on the internet. 
there's supposedly a new Jamie Attenberg novel, and I loved All Grown Up, but I don't know if that's I don't even know who that is. <laughs> I don't half the stuff Lauren reads. I don't even know. Okay, well, everybody, that's our year end wrap up short stacks episode. We will be back next Wednesday. We'll be back on Wednesday. But this has been an awesome year. We're so excited that you guys joined us on the podcast and the stacks and everything. And Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. Loved it. Yay. And also, everybody, Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Happy it's New Year. 2019 tomorrow. I can't believe it. We, we somehow survived <laughs> another year. Yay. All right. Thank you, everybody. And we will see you in the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening to this special episode of The Short Stacks. Thank you again to Lauren Fanella. Remember, to be a part of making this show a reality, go to patreon.com slash the stacks. Make sure you're subscribed to The Stacks wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through iTunes, take a moment to rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright, and our theme music is from Tagirajis. This episode of The Short Stacks was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas, and I will see you in the stacks in 2019.